Hello everybody, it is Michael back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. In today's episode, we got some very, very interesting stuff to talk about, uh, including uh, the conference finals, we got a Game 7 to talk about, Game 1, we got Monday Night Football to talk about, so yeah, I'm going to get right into it. Uh, if you are listening on audio platforms, please download if you're listening on YouTube. Uh, please leave a like. You can uh, watch my clips channel linked in the description. I really appreciate your guys' support on the newest episode and just everything you've done with the clips channel. Everything's doing really well, and I appreciate your guys' support a ton. But yeah, let's get right into it. First, talking about Heat versus Celtics. Now, this was a really, really fun game. Uh, very, very interesting one. Everything I expected out of the series, I felt like a lot of people uh, definitely disrespected the Celtics and how good of a team they were. Uh, but this is what I expect. I think this is going to be an incredibly close seven-game series, especially when Gordon Hayward comes back. I think that's going to be huge for the Celtics. But the Heat did end up winning this uh, one in a close one in overtime, winning 117 to 114. Jimmy Butler, even though his box score isn't anything crazy, I mean, 20 points. Uh, five rebounds, five assists, two steals. Like, he played well, uh, but he came up when it mattered most. He hit that absolutely insane three. It's so weird that he went on a streak of, like, not shooting threes basically at all, and then he's in the bubble. He's just back to shooting threes, and he's shooting a pretty good rate on them, and he's hitting huge ones like that one. That shot was incredible. He got the and one on Jason Tatum, which was a phenomenal play. Uh, the play that really helped them win the game, even though we obviously saw the BAM block, which was insane. That block was one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen, because Jason Tatum had a full head of steam, uh, was going down on him. He's one of the players who's known for having some incredible dunks on people, and it was just a hell of a play by BAM. Uh, he was great in this game, huge mismatch for the Celtics for sure, uh, and that's something I'll be very interested to see how they adjust. Because uh, I'm sure we'll see plenty of adjustments from the Celtics, and that's definitely a big thing is how they're going to guard the how they're going to guard him. Because even though he wasn't crazy offensively, I mean, uh, 18 points, five of 12 shooting, but he did get to the free throw line eight of 11 times. He was killing us on there for sure. We were really struggling to guard him without fouling, and then his playmaking was so incredible. He had nine assists. Uh, they were doing a lot of off ball movements a lot of uh, handoffs with him and it was really hard to guard especially when they do like the handoff screen uh, and he s sets it on Kemba and then Goran Dragic who's been playing amazing uh, is able to get in the area where he can do like a floater or mid-range which he's been deadly at he had 29 I feel like people really aren't talking nearly enough about how good he was just because Jimmy Butler was so clutch and then Bam had that crazy block but he was amazing for the heat 29 points uh, shot three of six from three he was just so great this game uh, was a real struggle for Kemba to guard I did like to see the adjustment that they were putting uh, I think it was Jalen Brown on him later in the game. I think we'll definitely see more of that, and we'll see some more uh, Kemba and Jay Crowder. Even though Jay Crowder also continues to uh, kill everyone, he's been amazing this playoffs. He's been so, so good. His three-point shooting has been so valuable to this team, and it's been something that I really didn't expect. I mean, I really liked the trade for the Heat, uh, getting him and Andre Iguodala and everybody was talking about Iggy but he's been by far the biggest piece for them which I actually thought was going to happen too because he was having a really good season for the Grizzlies but in this playoffs and in the bubble as a whole he stepped it up to a whole nother level he's shooting insane from the three 
Uh, we fouled him on one of the threes, which I think was a terrible call. Uh, but regardless, he's just playing great. 22 points. Basically, everyone in their starting lineup, except for Duncan Robinson, had a great game. And Duncan Robinson, even if he's not having a great game, uh, is always just going to be uh, a big threat out there just because of the gravity he brings as a, as a shooter. And he did hit one deep three, which was pretty big, and getting them some momentum. Tyler Hero played phenomenal off the bench. He didn't insane clutch three i uh, love tyler hero's game just love how confident he is uh going into late game he never seems phased at all he nearly put up a triple double with 12 points 11 rebounds and nine assists his playmaking has definitely taken a step that i really didn't even expect at all to be honest uh but it's been phenomenal in these playoffs so far and no one else really stepped up for them uh kendrick nunn i don't really see him playing basically at all anymore in this series he's been terrible ever since he's come back and i just don't think he is ready for this at all he had three points on one of five shooting had four fouls in only 13 minutes a really bad game for him and we saw a little bit of Andre Godal, guys like Derrick Jones Jr., who are there mostly for their defensive presence, and then Derrick Jones for his athleticism too. But overall, their starters just played great, and then Tyler Hero was huge for them. He played 40 minutes as a rookie in a huge playoff game, so I love to see that. And obviously that bam block. Uh, that's definitely the thing I'm just by far most interested to see, is what adjustments are we going to make to try and stop Bam Adebayo. I mean, he's going to do Bam Adebayo things because he's a great passer. Uh, he's good in the pick and roll, sets very good screens, and he's super athletic for his size. And then defensively, he's always going to do his thing because he's just great on that end. Uh, but I'd definitely like to see them guard the the stuff where he's doing like handoffs with uh, Goran Dragic better. I expect to see a lot more Jalen Brown on uh, Goran Dragic. Uh, definitely less Kemba on Dragic, and they'll probably just hide him on Crowder because even if Crowder's making uh, shots and he's having a good game like this where he had 22 points, it's not because he's like blowing by Kemba or he's posting him up. It's because he's hitting open threes, and then hopefully that could give Kemba some more energy on the offensive end. But overall, I mean, he just played a really good game. Uh, they shot 44% from three. They just played very well. Uh, they fought really well. Their late-game execution was phenomenal. Uh, that block, incredible. Jimmy Butler hitting clutch shots. It was just a nice performance from them. Uh, and overall, a very good game. On the Celtics side of things, uh, Jalen Brown, even though his stats look very good, was 17 points, pretty efficient, hit three of his four threes. The thing that really frustrated me about uh, Jalen Brown this game is that he was just so like there so much where... He really didn't have much of an impact, again, even though his stats look pretty nice. They were definitely not very impactful at all because he was just kind of blending in on offense. Definitely need to see him uh, step up and be more aggressive. He's been uh, pretty good with his aggressiveness throughout the playoffs so far, and this was really the first game that I saw him just be super passive. Uh, definitely need to see him just attack more and be more assertive throughout the game, especially with him playing 43 minutes. He's got to be more aggressive. Uh, Jason Tatum continues to be great. I definitely didn't like the last shot he got uh, to go into overtime, which was that super deep three. I mean, like it was definitely possible for him to hit it, but it's kind of a frustrating thing for me to see that uh, not just him, but so many teams resort to that type of shot late in game. And that was overall the thing that was just most frustrating was the Celtics' lack of late game execution, which is something I pra uh, praised them for 
so much throughout the year and is why I believed in them so much. So definitely need to see them uh, execute more. It was just a lot of ISO, not much player movement, not much ball movement. And against such a good team like the Heat, who has uh, such great personnel on the defensive end, you definitely can't do that at all. Uh, we need to see more Kemba moving off the ball, uh, more pick and rolls, just a lot less ISOs for sure. Because uh, when Tatum like gets into that pick and roll and he takes the threes right off the pick and roll, I think that's when he's at his best. That's when he's at his most, most deadly. But he still had a great game overall. I mean, 30 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. Like, he was great out there. Uh, just would like to see some better late game execution for him. Uh, especially because he struggled late in game. And I just think, again, the offense was way too stagnant. It was way too much Jason Tatum isoing, even though he's great at it. Uh, you just can't be doing that against a team who has such phenomenal personnel like the Heat. Uh, Marcus Smart is the weirdest player of all time because he's going to consistently bring you the grit, uh, the heart. That's always Marcus Smart. But his shooting is either like he's one of the five best shooters in the league or he is terrible. There's like no in-between. It's so weird. He had one of those nights where he was great. He had 26 points, 6 of 13 from 3. Uh and it's just such a wild card with Marcus Smart. And even though I love Marcus Smart, that's one of the more frustrating things. Is It's it's a very interesting experience for sure having Marcus Smart on your team. Because you don't know if he's going to be Clay Thompson one game or be Andre Roberson uh, with confidence the next. And it just kind of you just kind of have to see what happens every game. But he was hitting shots off the dribble. And then again, it's Marcus Smart. He's going to bring that heart, that defense. Uh, definitely need to see Kemba play better. Another very poor game from Kemba. He definitely played way better in the fourth quarter in overtime. I think he had 10 uh, of his 19 points in those. But the first uh, three quarters, he was really, really bad. It just seems like whenever a team throws a zone at him, it really throws him off. And especially with the stagnant offense that the Celtics had and the lack of uh, player movement and ball movement that just made him struggle even more and i mean he did hit some huge shots like he hit some step back mid ranges which he seems to be automatic on uh but i just need to see him be better in those first three quarters because uh the fourth him being good in the fourth quarter and the overtime can kind of blind you but he was bad this game one of nine from three only six of 19 overall i uh, just need to see him simply play better he has to step up, and he's really just not been doing that recently, which is really annoying because, I mean, he's a max contract player. Uh, he's healthier than he's been, and he's just struggling. The, like I said, the zones are just really making him struggle. Uh, Daniel Tice fouled out yet again, which is a thing that is worrying me how often he's been fouling out because uh, then when he fouls out late in game, we have to resort to a guy like Robert Williams, who I really like but is inexperienced and is prone to make mistakes, or Grant Williams, who is a lot smarter of a player, but is still inexperienced, and still I wouldn't trust him in a late-game situation. And that also just takes a, a lot away from our offense. It takes away from our size, for sure. And then just off the bench, uh, Brad Wanamaker continues to be great for the Celtics. He was phenomenal this game. Uh, 11 points, hit all five of his free throws. Best free throw shooter in the league, Brad Wanamaker. Uh, six assists. He had five steals, which was crazy. Uh, he was better than Kemba this game, to be totally honest, and it was just really impressive. He's had a string of some pretty decent games recently, so if he can c continue to keep that up, I'd be much bigger of a fan of him, and he'll be a really nice piece for the Celtics team. I just think 
a lot of the series hinges on Gordon Hayward coming back and how good he is when he comes back. I'll be interested for sure to see if they're gonna insert him immediately into the starting lineup, or if they're gonna keep Kem- uh, if they're gonna keep the Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart backcourt, and then have him as the sixth man. That would be pretty interesting for sure, and I think he could fit that role really well because. Uh, that's kind of been his role anyway, even though he's not actually the, been the sixth man this year. There's a lot of minutes where he's the main facilitator and the main scorer off with some of the bench guys. Or even if he's not the main scorer, he can be like a secondary scorer. Maybe uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are on the bench, and then you can run a lineup of like Kemba, uh, Smart, uh, Gordon Hayward, maybe Robert Williams or Daniel Tice, and then throw a guy like Semi Ojale or Grant Williams for a couple minutes. And it just adds so much more depth to the Celtics team because when there's minutes of Wanamaker, like Semi Ojale and Williams, it's it's ugly out there for sure, especially when you're watching that in a playoff game. Uh, but overall, I mean, I'm honestly, like, I'm frustrated by this loss, especially with the lack of late-game execution. We totally blew it in the fourth quarter. But overall, I can't be too mad at this game, we played some good defense, and the Heat are just a great team. We're missing one of our better players, and overall, it was just a really solid game. I mean, we and then they made some huge plays. Bam got that massive block. Uh, Jimmy made clutch shots, and honestly, you just kind of have to live with that as an NBA team when you're facing a team that has the confidence that the Heat do, the coaching that the Heat does, and then the great personnel. I think this is for sure going to be a six or seven game series, and I could see it going either way. I still have the Celtics winning. Uh, this, if anything, just gave me more confidence because I've continued to see Jason Tatum be that guy, and I think we're definitely going to make adjustments going into this game. We had a lot less rest than them. Uh, we had a lot less time to prepare, so I'm uh, completely fine with this loss, even though it was frustrating. Again, lack of late game execution for sure. We only scored 23 points in the third quarter, uh, the fourth quarter, and they had 35. Uh, but overall, just need to see more player movement, more ball movement. Uh, Gordon Hayward coming back, and I think the Celtics could win this. Uh, but it's going to be a tough series for either team. No team is getting out easy. Even if it's a six-game series, it's going to be a tight, tight six games because I think these teams. Uh, personnel-wise, coaching-wise, all of that match up very, very evenly to each other. And then obviously neither team has home court advantage. So it's just a very, very even playing field. I uh, definitely can see this going either way. And it's going to be a phenomenal series, especially for uh, someone who's not a fan of either of these teams and doesn't need to be stressed out uh, till, till the end of the series, for sure. But moving on, I want to talk about the biggest shock of the entire playoffs the Los Angeles Clippers yet again lose in the second round and cannot make it to the conference finals, even with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and them having a 3-1 lead on the Nuggets. This was just an absolutely shocking game. Uh, when the Nuggets went down 3-1, even though we saw them do it in the last series, I'm like, uh, the Clippers are so much better of a team than the Jazz. Uh, this series is over no matter what. And then they won two games in a row, and I was like, oh man, I may be even leaning Nuggets, even though I'm still going to pick Clippers, I could definitely see the Nuggets win, and I mean, they did it, it was an incredible performance by them, before I talk about the Clippers and the absolute mess that they were, I have to give so much props to the Nuggets and what they did out there, Jamal Murray has really uh, risen up another level during this bubble, 
and I think he's going to rise up in so many people's uh, player rankings. He's definitely uh, done that in my personal rankings for sure because he's just been insane this playoffs. I mean, 40 points, 6 of 13 from 3. He's being so aggressive off the pick and roll, uh, being aggressive in isos. He's hitting crazy shots, and he's really looking like he's 100% worth that max contract. In that first half, uh, that was like just such a prove-it game in a game seven where a lot of people usually struggle in these type of atmospheres. It's usually a pretty rough game. Uh, he was just incredible. I mean, I can't say anything more about him. Like He's been amazing this playoffs, and he's proving so many people wrong. He's proving me wrong, and I always thought he was very good, but I never knew he could step up this much and be at this insane level he's playing the best basketball by far of his career and he's playing some of the highest level basketball just as a whole uh, and then Nikola Jokic man if you just look at like points and you look at the field goal percentage it doesn't look great he shot uh, he shot 5 of 13 oh four from three and only had 16 points but he here Jamal Murray was 100% the best player on the floor Nikola Jokic had 22 rebounds, had 13 assists, 2 steals, 3 blocks. He played an absolutely insane game. Uh, it really just showed the difference in the team and how important like team chemistry is. Because the Nuggets were able to get so many easy baskets off Nikola Jokic backdoor cuts. Where they would just, uh, he would have the ball at the, at the elbow, at, in the, at the block. Uh, or at the three-point line, he'd be the pick-and-roll ball handler. He just is able to do so many things. And then everybody on this Nuggets team feeds off him so well. Gary Harris getting uh, easy layups. Jeremy Grant took all advantage of Nikola Jokic. I saw him so many times cut back door. And even if it doesn't lead in the bucket, it causes the defense to, scra uh, to scramble and scatter and try and get to him, which leads to other open shooters. And Nikola Jokic was just hitting everybody on those passes. If you don't have Nikola Jokic as your best big in the league, like, come on. Well, not necessarily best big, best center in the league. Because Anthony Davis, even though he should be playing center, he just refuses to. Uh, Nikola Jokic is the best center in the league. And he's even making an argument that he could be better than Anthony Davis. Like, he is playing so incredible. And I've always been super high on Jokic. But... He's just continued to put that reassurance and continued to just prove that he's one of the best players in the league. One of the one of the seven to nine best players in the league. I'd have him over guys like Damian Lillard. Uh, him and Luka is an interesting argument. I'd say they're pretty close. Him and AD is an interesting argument, especially with just how he's been playing in the playoffs. He's really solidified himself. And the Nuggets have proven they've been this team that's been questioned as like a pretender for uh, two years straight now, and they're proving people wrong. They were so close last year to making the Western Conference Finals, and in a way tougher route, they made the Western Conference Finals this year. Just all the props in the world to Mike Malone, to Nikola Jokic, to Gary Harris. Gary Harris is playing the best basketball I've seen in a while from him. He's hitting his shots, and like I said, the backdoor cuts. Jeremy Grant is one of the best role players in the entire league. The defense he's played this series has been incredible, and then he's a very solid offensive player. Just overall, an amazing performance to the Nuggets. All the props in the world to them. Uh, they played one hell of a series, and honestly, 
I can't count them out in any series now because they've came back from down 3-1 twice. And the the way they went down to uh, the Clippers 3-1 was even more demoralizing because they're a better team than the Jazz. Uh, they lost some of those games pretty bad. Even though they lost the games to the Jazz pretty bad too, it was more just like them being outplayed in the games, which is scary. Like the Jazz game, the Jazz games where they went down three one. I was never super confident in the Jazz because like the Jazz were playing insane basketball, and then the Nuggets were playing awful. So I was like, the Nuggets can still come back when. They went down 3-1 to the Clippers. I thought it was over because I had the Clippers as my championship favorite. And the Nuggets completely just played better than them simply enough. Uh, They blew two huge leads to the Nuggets. They blew a 19-point lead and a 16-point lead in this fourth quarter of this game. Uh, They didn't score for like seven minutes. It was just a crazy performance by the Nuggets. Shout out to them. I still do. I still am going to have the Lakers beating them, which I'll talk more about in my in-depth preview. Uh, but just overall, a great performance by the Nuggets. All the props in the world to them. They played amazing basketball. Moving on, I want to talk about the Clippers side of things. Now, this was a complete and utter embarrassment of a performance from them. Oh my goodness, Kawhi Leonard, who I who I have said. Uh, time and time again, I thought was the best player in the world. And I didn't even think that was a crazy opinion. Some people now are acting like that. If you ever had that opinion, you're an idiot, which I just don't think is fair at all. But Kawhi, someone who I believed in so much and someone who I believed would be that guy in the seventh game, in the seventh game, like it was just an embarrassing performance for him. I don't even know. He was like the fourth best player on the floor. He was terrible. 6 of 22, 2 of 7 from 3. It was so bad. He was missing all those mid-ranges that he's been so automatic on. He's been so incredible on. He was missing those. And then at a certain point, he got passive because he was just missing. Uh, It was such an embarrassing performance from him. After him having so many clutch moments last year, him playing so insane in the playoffs, and him playing great throughout most of this playoffs too, he played he played amazing versus the Mavericks. He wasn't the reason why that series was close. It was because Paul George was terrible, and then the Mavericks were playing amazing. He played amazing during that. He played very well through these first six games, even though he had he had a dud here and there. Uh, overall, he played amazing, and then 14 points on 6 of 22 shooting. Really, really sad to see uh, him go out that way, and that this is a huge stain on his legacy. He's just blown a 3-1 lead to an inferior team, and then in the Game 7, it's not like they lost, but Kawhi was insane, and he couldn't have done any more. He was terrible, and that was one of the huge reasons they lost. This is one of this is one of those series where when Kawhi is retired in ten years, that we're gonna we're gonna look back on this and be like, this is the reason why we have him ranked where he is because of this embarrassing performance where he blew a three to one lead against a Nuggets team that had no business beating them. The Clippers were were a majority of people's favorites going into the season. And they just lost in the second round and blew a 3-1 to lead. So embarrassing. Paul George, uh, after being actually pretty solid this series, had a terrible Game 7, which honestly was not surprising at all. But 
4 of 16, 2 of 11 from 3, 10 points. Him and Kawhi combined for 24 points on 10 of 38 shooting, 4 of 18 from 3. Again, just embarrassing from them. That shot where Paul George hit the top like corner of the backboard on the side on that corner three. Oh my god, that was terrible. He had five turnovers. He just played terrible. He played so bad. Like four of sixteen again, two of eleven from three, missing layups, missing open threes, just missing it felt like literally everything. He was terrible this game. Uh Patrick Beverly I mean, it was pretty solid, but overall, he had a really, really bad series, was fouling like crazy, and I'm tired of hearing the excuses from Paul George, too. It is so annoying. He's one of the players that has annoyed me the most in his, like, post-game interviews and stuff. Him saying this wasn't a championship or bust season for them, even if they had that mindset, that doesn't give them an excuse to go out as sad as they did here. And this is nearly a championship or bust season for them. And next year's for sure because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are on one-year contracts. They can both opt out of their contracts next year. And the Clippers, Paul George, the Clippers traded seven first-round picks, Shea Gilders Alexander, and Danilo Gallinari for you. And you scored 10 points on 4 of 16 shooting in a Game 7 against a team that is again worse than you guys that was so so bad from them uh lou williams was absolutely terrible this series he was doing nothing on offense and then obviously it's lou williams on defense he's like six foot and weighs nothing and gets targeted literally every single play so when he's not a microwave on offense he's just not doing anything three of eleven shooting one of four from three embarrassing from him montrez had his only good game the entire series and his his stats are inflated because a lot of those well a couple of those points were when the game was already over patrick beverly had his basically only good game of the series after fouling out uh, or being close to fouling out in most of the games he averaged like four fouls this series and then being terrible on offense paul george had his worst game by far this whole series when it mattered the most. Kawhi had his worst game by far the whole playoffs when it mattered the most. Marcus Morris, 2 of 9, 7 points, 1 of 6 shooting. It was, again, just embarrassing. They blew a 3-1 lead, and this team, more than anything, them and the Rockets, they invested so much into this team. For them to lose in the fashion they did if they lost in a seven game series against the lakers where it was just a back and forth battle and they just got outplayed that would have been sad for them but it would have been fine because the lakers are an amazing team with two top seven players and now certified the best player in the world in lebron james so if they lost that, it would have been fine. But them losing to this Nuggets team, huge stain on Paul George's legacy. This whole playoffs is a huge stain on Paul George's legacy. Huge stain on Kawhi Leonard's legacy. A huge stain on Doc Rivers' legacy, as this is the third 3-1 lead he's blown as a coach. And there's been only like 14 of those in history. That is bad. That is so terrible. I wouldn't be surprised to see Doc Rivers be gone sooner rather than later. Because the lack of adjustments he made was so, so bad to watch. Their late 
well, their offense just as a whole was so stagnant. It was like the Celtics late game offense for literally the entire game. And even though I had the Clippers winning the championship, this whole series just as a whole uh, brought out all the issues that made me lack some confidence in them being a championship team, which is the lack of time they've they've just simply played basketball with each other they're not very familiar with each other the chemistry isn't isn't very good uh and then they don't have a true floor general they don't have a true facilitator and they rely way too much on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George hitting these tough shots like the Nuggets you just saw the difference in teams where a team that just had much better team chemistry had much better player movement and had a, a better coach, uh, that team won because they were getting easy buckets. They were running these sets. They were running these backdoor cuts that were impossible for the Clippers to guard. When on the other hand, it was so much Kawhi Leonard isoing going to the mid-range area. And even though for most of the time, uh, 99% of the time, he's going to be almost automatic from that area. He shot like 70% from the mid-range this year. Something ridiculous like that. This was the 1% time and when that happens they have nothing else to go to because they don't have a floor general who can set the offense up calm everybody down and just figure things out they just don't have that simply enough uh, Kawhi Leonard even though his playmaking is much improved he's still not a natural playmaker it's not like LeBron or Jokic or uh, Luka or even like Devin Booker now where it just comes naturally to those guys to hit the open guy and to be able to make elite passes, he's just a pretty average to above average passer. Lou Williams is a fine passer, and Patrick Beverly's a fine passer. And then they don't have any playmaking outside of that. Paul George has never been a playmaker. It's not like Montrez Harrell is a playmaker from the center position. It's It showed all their weaknesses, and they really came in full fruition. Uh, it showed their weakness of not being able to guard very well with the big man. Because Nikola Jokic absolutely tore them apart this series. It was just a terrible performance from the Clippers. It's a huge stain on all those guys' legacy, and it puts a lot into perspective for them. It puts a lot into question for them because they traded and put so much money into this team. Uh, Montrezl Harrell is going to be a free agent. Uh, I don't know if they're going to try and make any drastic moves. I don't know if they're going to try and trade, uh, try and fire Doc Rivers, if they're going to try and trade Paul George. It's all up in the air right now, but they invested way 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 too much in this team for them to go out like they did but they did it was an it was an embarrassing performance and they got outplayed by a much worse team even though the records aren't very different we know that the clippers are a way better and just more talented team than the nuggets but the team with the guys who play more as a team who have better chemistry and who can get easy baskets they won Next, I want to talk about the Clippers' future. I hinted at it a little bit in uh, the last part, but the Clippers' future as a whole is very, very... It, it could get ugly quick for them. If they don't win a championship next year, which with the way Paul George played this playoffs, I don't know if they could win a championship next year. If they don't win a championship next year, and then Paul George and Kawhi Leonard leave... They are absolutely screwed for the next decade plus. They don't have their own first round pick till like 2028. Like it's something ridiculous like that. And 
uh, well, I think they have their pick next year, but their pick this year is going to the Knicks because they traded uh, Mo Harkless and that pick for Mar- Marcus Morris. And then all those picks for Paul George that are either pick swaps or just straight-up unprotected first-round picks, none of those picks have protection at all on them, which is scary because the Clippers could be in the worst position out of any team before we know it. And it would be worth it if they won a championship. But if they don't win a championship, things it's over for them. Like, they're going to be in the gutter for a long, long time. So this next season is huge for them. I And I don't really know how they get better at all. Like, unless someone wants to trade for Paul George and they have another star who is unhappy and could maybe fit better and just be a better player. Like, I just don't know. I don't see Bradley Beal wanting to be traded and them being like a Paul George for Bradley Beal swap. Like, I just don't see that at all. I don't see James Harden being wanted being wanted to be traded this offseason and then uh, them doing like a three-team trade where Paul George goes somewhere, James Harden goes to the Clippers, and then the other team gets another star. Like, I just don't see it at all. I don't see where they go up. Montrezl Harrell's going to be a free agent, and he's probably going to get more money than they're willing to spend, especially with how ugly their future could be. He could be gone, and then they could be in the same position, and the only thing that they could do to get better is literally just hope Paul George is actually good in the playoffs. Like, I have no clue how they get better. And then if they don't get better, I just don't know if they could win a championship next year. And I don't know if Doc Rivers is that guy, even though I love what he brought to them uh, last year when they were such a fun team. They were the underdog that no one thought would make the playoffs after they made all those moves. They still made it, and they were such a fun team to watch. They uh, pushed the Warriors to six games. It was such a fun team. And now this team is so dislikable. And they just seem so disjointed. They seem like the exact opposite of last year, where they're the talented favorites who aren't a, a good like team. They're just not together at all, and they look too egotistical. And they also just didn't look like they cared enough. Like I think, uh, like saying, "Oh, this certain team had more heart than the other," can be a bit overblown and a bit of a stupid argument. But it really just seemed like that. Uh, from the Nuggets, they just wanted it way more than this Clippers team did. And they were uh, put with their backs against the wall. The Clippers had all the... They were up 3-1. to one. They had to win just one of three games to make it to the conference finals, and they didn't. And now Paul George and Kawhi Leonard could both leave by next year. Montrezl Harrell is a free agent. Their only young guy is Landry Shamit, who showed a ton of potential in his early career, but had a very off season. Uh, Ivica Zubak is a solid player, and he's young, but I don't see him getting any better. Marcus Morris uh, could be gone from them, too. It's just a bad—they're in a really bad situation. Lou Williams is getting pretty old, even though I still think he'll be good in the regular season. I just don't think I can trust him in the playoffs from what I've seen. I mean, unless unless you believe Terrence Mann is going to be the next big thing, uh, the Clippers are in a terrible, terrible position. And again, some some fifth grade stud right now is going to be drafted to the Clippers, and then they're going to be looking back 
And unless they win a championship, they're going to look at that Paul George trade and be like, even though we got Paul George, we got Kawhi Leonard. Uh, that was a huge failure because already just Paul George for Danilo Gallinari and uh, Shea Gilders-Alexander from what Shea has shown and from how good Danilo Gallinari is. And then you add on seven first-round picks uh, that have zero protections on them. That is terrifying. Uh, the Man, the OKC Thunder took huge two huge w's this offseason they have like 11 picks from russell westbrook and paul george who both performed terrible in the playoffs and man it's it's ugly for the it's ugly for the clippers and if i was a fan if clippers fans exist uh, i would be absolutely just so scared of what could happen if they don't win a championship next year next year even though paul george said this year wasn't championship or bust if anything next year it may be the biggest championship or bust year in nba history because if they don't win a championship and those guys decide to leave they are screwed for the next like 15 years and that's not even me exaggerating unless jerry west pulls off some incredible magic they are screwed for so long if they don't win a championship and if they can't get those guys to resign uh but yeah one of the most disappointing teams in recent history, the Los Angeles Clippers, and their future is looking pretty ugly. Next, I want to talk about Nuggets versus Lakers in the conference finals. Now, this is a pretty interesting matchup. This is the last thing I expected. I think literally everyone in the whole world was looking forward to seeing uh, the battle of the battle of L.A. Clippers versus. Nu- uh, Clippers versus Lakers, but we've got a completely different matchup, and we got Nuggets versus Lakers. And honestly, I mean, I still have the Lakers winning in probably six games, but I just can't count this Nuggets team out with what they've proved in these last two series, and especially this series, man. Because even though Anthony Davis isn't a phenomenal defender, uh, first of all, I don't even know how much we'll see him on Jokic because I don't know if he wants to conserve his energy for the offensive end. But even if so, I don't know how he's going to stop Jokic because he's playing insane right now. He uh, only shot, again, 0-4 from 3 last game. Uh, but other than that, his 3-point shooting has been insane this playoffs. His post game is incredible. The passing, oh my goodness, is so insane. And then how are... How in God's name are they going to guard Jamal Murray? They have no one to guard Jamal Murray. And Jamal Murray is playing absolutely insane right now. The confidence he has is through the roof. And I think that two-man game of Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray could absolutely tear the Lakers apart. Especially Jamal Murray. I think Jamal Murray is in for a huge series. And this team is going to continue to have that underdog mindset. And I think they could easily put up a fight against this Lakers team because they just have so many nice pieces. Like Paul Millsap has had a bit of a rough playoffs, but he's a nice veteran who always knows what he's doing out there. His three-point shooting is very good. And then he's just a very steady defender. Jeremy Grant, one of the best role players in the whole league. I think no one is going to stop LeBron because it's LeBron James. The only thing that will stop LeBron is himself. But Jeremy Grant could play some damn good defense on LeBron and be one of the better defenders to try and just limit LeBron as much as he can. Even guys like Torrey Craig off the bench can come in and play uh, some solid defense on 
on the Lakers, guys. Michael Porter Jr., uh, if he's not hitting his shots, I mean, he's not going to play because he's terrible on defense. But if he's hitting his shots, he can be a massive X factor for this Nuggets team. Because at any moment, he can just have a huge game where he's hitting threes. He's an amazing rebounder. Uh, he's a very good cutter. And he could just be huge for this team. If Gary Harris continues to play the way he is right now, which is the best offensively we've seen from Gary Harris in a while, that's nice for them. And he's another very, very good defender. Uh, I think they're going to struggle guarding uh, Anthony Davis for sure, uh, especially because his game, even though so many people were talking about like him against the Rockets just dominating on the inside, his thing is he is so like, He's not the traditional post center, even though he's great in the post. The best work he does is in that mid-range area, and he absolutely is just dominant in that mid-range area. So I don't know if they're going to put Jokic on him because I don't think Jokic has the foot speed. I think they'd probably put a guy like Paul Millsap, who I think could do a decent job. And uh, even though he's, will probably get beat sometimes because Anthony Davis is just so athletic and he's just so skilled. Uh, but I think they have the personnel to guard both of the stars pretty decently and honestly i just have zero belief in the lakers other guys they haven't shown me anything in the playoffs to believe in them so even though again still leaning with the lakers because i just believe in lebron and anthony davis uh, i think they're playing so incredible right now they're playing amazing basketball they're probably super confident and then the nuggets have uh just gone through two tough seven game series where they're probably very tired from it uh, but the Nuggets still well have a chance in this series. I think some of the matchups uh, are very preferable for them. I think the Jamal Murray matchup against whoever they want to put on him is going to be great for them. And then I think Nikola Jokic, even though he's going to be thrown uh, good defenders at him, he's still going to do his thing because Nikola Jokic is a beast. And he's so potent offensively and then i feel like him being a bad defender is so overblown he's a decent defender and he's improved a lot like he's got some quick hands and then he's just a big body who can uh get some stops at the rim so i honestly i may even the more i'm the more and more i'm talking about this i'm gonna say lakers in seven i just I just can't count this Nuggets team out, and I can't not believe they're going to give whatever team they play such a huge fight. And honestly, I mean, if the Nuggets won, that would be a surprise, but it wouldn't be the most surprising thing I've seen, just because they match up pretty well to the Lakers, and then the way Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray are playing, that two-man game is so tough to guard, and anybody who has to guard it, I feel very bad for you, because getting through a big body a screen from Jokic and then trying to guard Jamal Murray who's hitting these insane like step back threes off the dribble threes pull up threes and then trying to guard Jokic who uh, can make literally basically any pass he wants to but at the same time is a lethal scorer that's so difficult and that's going to be a big problem for the Lakers but I just believe that their star power is going to overpower them uh, and the Nuggets do have a better coach too so again think this is going to be a close close series i've seen a lot of people say lakers in five which i think is a huge mistake because uh, at this point i just can't not believe in this nuggets team and i can't believe they're not going to put up a huge fight where even if it's a six game series it's going to be a fight because this team never quits and i just think their team chemistry is so good they all love they all love each other and they all just look like they're having so much fun playing out there and they're all just playing so great 
So, yeah, that's my preview of uh, Lakers versus Nuggets. I think it's going to be a fun series. Uh, definitely the not the Western Conference Finals I wanted. But at this point, I'd rather see the team who's playing the better basketball. And the Nuggets are playing uh, better basketball than the Clippers were. So I'm happy to see the Nuggets in there. And I think they're going to put up a fight and make it a fun series against the Lakers. If they make it to the finals and if they even win the finals... That would be one of the craziest stories of all time. And then people would start putting an asterisk on the season, which would annoy me a ton. Uh, but I just think the Nuggets are a great team. I just think the Lake Lakers are just too good, especially with how LeBron and AD are playing. Uh, I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back to talk about Monday Night Football. Okay, I'm back to talk about some Monday Night Football. The first game I want to talk about is Steelers vs. Giants. Uh, this was a pretty pretty nice game. Uh, it was a lot closer at the start, for sure, than the ending. But I think everybody expected the Steelers to win. The Steelers are a much better team. And with Big Ben Roethlisberger back, the Steelers' offense looks so much better. Uh, he had a pretty solid night. wasn't anything great, but about 230 yards, three touchdowns. The running game was great. Uh, and then, for sure, what stood out is Juju Smith-Schuster looked way better with an actual quarterback out there. Uh, Chase Claypool had some nice signs. He doesn't really get separation very well as he's just not a great route runner yet. And he uh, isn't very good with like hip turns. He's just not a super agile player. But his size is incredible for wide receiver. We saw him make that super tough toe-tap catch for his first catch in the NFL. And just overall, this offense looks so much better, uh, which I'm sure everybody expected because Big Ben is so much better than what they had last year. And I just think this team is going to be really good because this defense is also just so impressive. TJ Watt, uh, I think it's in for another great season after he completely dominated last year. And they were able to be a near playoff team was an offense that was just not very good because their quarterback position was so terrible. They had Mason Rudolph, De- Devlin Hodges. Like, it was bad. Uh, but with Big Ben back, he doesn't really look like he's taken that much of a step back even in his old age he just looks very good and i think this offense is going to be so much better and their defense is definitely going to keep it up for sure Uh, on the giant side daniel jones definitely showed some nice signs uh some nice stuff happened i mean overall 200 about 280 yards two touchdowns but two interceptions he did have some ugly ones like the uh interception that tj watt got was just a bad throw and he just wasn't aware that he was there. So that definitely wasn't good. And he's going to have bad moments because he's still a very, very young player. Uh, still getting his feet wet, getting more experience. But I think he's going to have a pretty solid season. Uh, I think there's really n- nowhere to go but up. He's a v- pretty athletic uh, at his size for sure, about 6'5". And he's super athletic, pretty solid runner. Uh, and then his passing... He definitely had some passes where, even if it wasn't necessarily a bad pass, uh, he should have just, like, led the players more. And even if it's not a bad pass necessarily, that doesn't mean it's a good pass. And if it's just an all-right pass, sometimes that's uh, too easy for NFL defenders to catch up on. And then also his receivers were uh, dropping uh, some balls that could have easily been caught, even though, again, they weren't great throws all the time. Uh, but Darius Slayton continues to have a great season. He was huge for the, them last year. Uh, such a great pickup in the draft for them. And he had 102 yards, two touchdowns. He was phenomenal. Uh, Saquon was great in the catching game. 
uh, 60 yards, Sterling Shepard, 47, and then it kind of dropped off from there, and then some peop- some other people just got uh, sprinkled uh, catches here and there. But if we like look at the stats, like Evan Ingram targeted seven times, only had two receptions. He uh, is such an athletic player, but his talent just doesn't nearly maxes, uh, matches athleticism, and he... In, to me, at least, he's pretty overrated because he can have some big games because he'll have a huge, like, breakaway catch here and there because he's so athletic. Uh, but overall, he's just not very consistent, and he was just uh, not making the catches you'd want to see him make. But it is nice to see Darius Slayton still be so good for this Giants team. He's been just so phenomenal for them. Uh, but their offensive line, for sure, still looks really bad. I mean, it's going to be a, a big work in progress for them. They drafted uh, Andrew Thomas very high in this draft. Uh, but that doesn't mean at all that their offensive line is ready to be good right now. And we've seen that with Saquon getting 15 carries and only six yards. I mean, he wasn't great either, but the offensive line was just horrendous. And that definitely can use some improvement for sure. It's, like I said, just going to be a work in progress thing. They're still going to target it heavily in this upcoming draft uh, for sure. And they'll just need to keep trying to trade for uh, – talented offensive linemen trying to find them in the draft maybe trying to uh, get them later uh, sign them just do anything to maximize Saquon Barkley's talents and limit Daniel Jones's issues with fumbling which is uh, something that's been pretty potent in his career uh, to this point so you definitely want to see the offensive line be better and then their defense I mean uh, it wasn't anything stand out that good or bad it, it's just kind of what you'd expect from them I mean the Giants just really aren't that good of a team uh they didn't really get much pressure and then they didn't really uh they didn't force any turnovers but i mean it was just it was just a fine game overall from them kind of just what you'd expect uh you'd hope daniel jones can be a little bit better and then you definitely also hope that uh the the offensive line will be better and maximize saquon more because it's definitely just disappointing to see saquon uh struggle so much but again some nice signs like that 41 yard pass to Darius Slayton who had a great game and yeah moving on to the last game we're going to talk about and the last thing we're going to talk about in this episode we got Titans versus Broncos now this was a pretty interesting game uh it definitely shouldn't have been as close as it was as even though uh the game winning kick was made by Steven Goskowski he was one for four on his field goals, one for two on his extra points, and it wasn't like any of those field goals were super hard, so they definitely should have won by more. He played really bad, but I mean, he did get the kick that mattered, which I mean, I guess is cool, but he already showed a lot of signs of him falling off uh, pretty quickly with the Patriots, and it just really, really showed in this. Uh, But other than that, I mean, Ryan Tannehill had a decent game. He's never going to uh, be just like crazy impressive just because their offense is so reliant on Derrick Henry. Uh, but he's still 29 for 43, 249 yards, two touchdowns. You just kind of hope with Ryan Tannehill and the system that they run uh, that he just never makes too many mistakes. You're just going to hope that he doesn't turn over the ball too often. And then he'll make the right passes. He's never going to do a bunch of stuff that just like wows you, but he's going to be stable. He can get out of the pocket and run sometimes, and he's just overall a pretty smart player. So you like to see that for sure, just him being himself. And then uh, they're running that system that they ran last year that was so successful. Derrick Henry got 31 carries for 116 yards. Uh, he was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't a phenomenal game from him. It wasn't like what you saw 
uh, in the playoffs last year where literally just no one could stop him. But overall, I mean, he was pretty solid. And uh, Corey Davis had a good game. Uh, you'd definitely like to see him step up for them as he was a pretty high draft pick for him, for them. And then just so far, he's really disappointed. Uh, but he was pretty good. Seven receptions, 101 yards. Uh, A.J. Brown didn't have that good of a game. Yeah, he got targeted eight times and only caught the ball five times for 39 yards. But, I mean, I expect him to have a great season because he was incredible uh, last year. Had such, such a good rookie season. And then their defense definitely was pretty good, uh, especially considering how explosive uh, this uh, Broncos offense has the potential to be. Their defense was pretty solid. And, I mean, they have a very talented defense. uh, defense as a whole uh, they got Jadavion Clowney now Kevin Byard is one of the best safeties in the NFL uh, Harold Landry is very good uh, overall Je- I mean Jeffrey Simmons is pretty solid they just have a pretty good team pretty good team pretty good defense and they're always gonna uh, be able to control the game uh, and control the clock just due to them being so reliant on the run and just running Derrick Henry so much they're always going to do uh, pretty well as, as far as controlling the time, and I don't ever think they're really going to have the score ran up on them too often just because of how well they control the time, unless they get down early. Uh, so it was a pretty nice performance from the Titans. They just kind of uh, gave me what I expect. You'd hope Steven Goskowski kicks much better because uh, that can definitely lead to some losses if he keeps doing that. Uh, but on the Broncos' side, Drew Locke had a pretty solid game. I love Drew Locke. I think he's going to be uh, very, very good. I don't know if it's this year. I think he'll have a solid year this year, and I think uh, next year is probably the year he'll really step up. But he was just decent this game, uh, 22 for 33, 216 yards, a touchdown. And then they were definitely uh, running the ball a good bit, considering they got this uh, two halfback uh, lineup that they're using with Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsey. Uh, we saw Melvin Gordon get 15 touches. He got a touchdown, uh, averaged 5.2 on the ground, pretty good. And then Philip Lindsay uh, got seven carries for 24 yards, so definitely expect them to run the ball a lot. And then they got a nice up-and-coming receiving core. I really like Noah Fant. He had a really good game for them this game uh, with five catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Jerry Judy, even though he had some drops, uh, which were pretty ugly, they were some pretty bad drops. Overall, he was still solid. He showed off that incredible route running on one of those routes uh, and then he's pretty good after the catch too i just think the drops were a lack of experience maybe a bit of nerves and then without him playing uh, preseason because obviously there was no preseason this year uh but i think he'll be great for them that route running is just so incredible it's like poetry in motion watching him especially as a rookie very very impressive stuff from him uh no one else really had anything stand out uh but the issue, the big issue was uh, Drew Locke did fumble twice. They didn't lose any of those. Uh, but that's something that you definitely don't like to see. And Melvin Gordon fumbled and Jerry Judy. Uh, again, just a rookie thing for sure. Uh, him just adapting to the NFL game. Uh, but again, I think it'll be so phenomenal for them. And I just think this offense has the potential to be deadly, especially when they face a team who isn't as good as controlling uh, the time and then won't be as good defensively as the Titans, I think they can really go off and have some massive, uh, massive games because this offense is just can be so electric with Drew Locke, the two nice running backs, Noah Fant, who's going to have a good season, uh, Jerry Judy. They just got a lot, a lot of pieces. Uh, They did have some injuries to some of their key receivers. So you definitely like to see them get healthy. 
because uh, they can be absolutely massive for this team. Uh, but overall, I mean, it was a decent performance for them. You'd just like them to get uh, more healthy. Obviously, they don't have Von Miller for the whole season, which is a huge loss for them because he just brings uh, so much pressure for them. But overall, I mean, a good game for them, and I expect them to just be a decent team this year. Definitely a growing team who has a lot of potential, a lot of young guys on this team that I'm really, really a big fan of. Uh, but yeah, that was my thoughts on Monday Night Football. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. Leave a like on YouTube, uh, download on audio, and yeah, it's been Michael. Peace out. See you guys next episode, and I'll be talking about the conference finals in that.